Number here, Stefano, and thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Code with Kingy. We're back after a couple of weeks off, and the All Blacks have hit their first stop as part of their Northern Tour in the USA. They're playing on Sunday at 8.30 in the morning in Washington. And to help me with this week's preview and recap, I've called on a good friend of mine who isn't in his hometown these days, but is still an avid hurricane supporter that being the bro nonu or cam jeffries if we're if we're going by his real name my man but yeah first off very very grateful for your time and helping me out this week and when you give the listeners an update um as to <laughs> what's life like for you at the moment oh mate you know it's pretty chill just working away down south uh trying to keep myself away from all the one-eyed crusaders fans you know <laughs> They're not too uh, happy with me these days, especially after my performance at the last <laughs> hurricane that I went through. Yeah, getting a bit of shit for my behaviour on the sideline, but, you know, the Canes got the dub and it was all good. I, I still remember that like it was yesterday. I think it was Braden that tagged me in your live video <laughs> that I just saw all like sort of the comments pouring from the boys. Fuck, that was funny. But, yeah, a, a great night to be a Hurricane supporter because, unfortunately, those types of wins are very few and far between considering how well the Crusaders have played the last five years under Razor and fuck just, you know, they're, they're basically the All Blacks, right? Like besides like some of the number ones, like your Aaron Smiths, your Brody Retallics, they're, they're a star-studded team, but enough about them. I hate talking about the Crusaders. <laughs> the reason I got you here, the All Blacks. I mean, like, again, like I tried to be as open as I can, you know, when I jump on these, types of previews and recaps and they're only playing America. Um, so I'm looking at this like a glorified training run. I mean, they've said all the right things to the press and to the media saying, you know, oh, you know, we got to get, we got to be up for it. You know, America's, you know, they're sort of a budding powerhouse, yada, yada, yada. But if you look at the lineup that they've named, I mean, they've still got some regulars in there, you know, like Sam Whitelock returns to the fold. We're probably going to see Sam Kane back since, when was it in March that he tore his pick? So he's been off for ages. Rich Wong is back in at 10. You've got a young combination in the midfield, which I'll be interested to pick your brain about. But yeah, essentially it's giving guys who won't get as much run over in Europe and yeah, to, to blood some of the young talent. So before we crack into that though, I just want to get your thoughts on what you've made of the All Blacks this year, um, the combinations, what you've liked, what you've disliked and what you're hoping to see on this NDDA tour. Yeah, true. Yeah, I think like the All Blacks have been going all good this year. Um, I wasn't too sold on Ian Foster being the coach. I think maybe you were kind of the same. But yeah, I think you can like finally see what he's trying to do or like how he's trying to play. We had a few hiccups against South Africa, but I think like that could just be a bright byproduct of us not having like a I don't want to say quality opposition, but like you know, like hard opposition to play against. And yeah pretty happy with how they're going eh? i mean that was the thing right like my withdrawal from him and and liking him was that one if you look at his track record it wasn't the greatest you only had to look at his time at the chiefs and then once dave rennie and co took over and won the championships it's almost like what the fuck like why couldn't you figure it out um (laughs) but you know they had a pretty good role up until when they played the south africans i mean they they had a few 
bumps. You know, the F- the first Fijian test wasn't the greatest. The first test at Eden Park against the Springboks, uh, I mean, against the Wallabies wasn't the greatest either, but they seemed to get on a bit of a roll from there. Um, and then unfortunately in that last game, which, you know, saw the South Africans sort of go away from their typical game plan while sort of still playing that way, if that, if that makes sense to you guys, the listeners. Um, yeah, they just didn't quite come away with a dub like what they probably should have. But yeah, I mean, I'm still not sold. Like, I, I didn't make much of the South Africans' performance looking more so at that first test. I mean, like, fuck, that was not really a game of rugby in my eyes. But again, the All Blacks can only play what's put in front of them. And Ian Foster's come away with the results and he was rewarded with having his extension yeah. through to the next World Cup. Um, I, I too, like, I, I have to take my hat off to him. I think the team has improved you know, week in, week out. But I think that there, there are some limitations to the way that he's wanting to play. Um, I still think we need probably a little bit more size in that midfield. I'm not sure whether or not, you know, I mean, I, li- I like Avili as a player, um, but he got sort of found out against the South Africans, especially with deploying him the way that they did, you know, having him run to the brick wall that was their midfield. Um, that probably wasn't the greatest way to use him. So whether or not, we need a personnel change or whether or not we need to think about using David Havili in other ways. Because if you look at a lot of the way the All Blacks play off first phase set piece, he's the, the primary ball handler and the primary decision maker. Um, and there are going to be times where you can't sort of throw it out the back door because, you know, the rush defense is cutting that off. Yeah. So you're going to need to cast it up. And yeah, he's not the biggest guy going around. So yeah, before you get me going out on all these tangents, um, back to the All Blacks in this weekend. What have you made of the lineup? Do you like it? Yeah, it's a pretty interesting lineup. Like every All Black, like I don't know, second string team is usually good enough to like compete with any international side. Like my own questions were, I thought maybe um, Ethan Blackheader could have got a run if he's not carrying a niggle or anything. Like maybe him at six and Luke Jacobson back to eight because I feel like those two have like a genuine chance to put a case forward to like maybe earning like a, a starting jersey, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from that, so I could see Moanga back and maybe developing Finlay Christie's game because obviously we're we don't have the youngest halfbacks around and it'd be good to develop for the future. So yeah, it's a pretty good team, I reckon. I think you make a great point there um, with the likes of Ethan Blackheader, who really sort of stamped his mark, you know, off the back of what was a really strong super season. But I think from what I gather, the fact that Papali'i missed those last couple of tests. And there is the possibility that, you know, like, because Sam Kane's really only working his way back to full fitness at that international level. Um, and where we see him roll out um, is yet to be confirmed. But it, it looked like Papali'i had his hands on that seven jersey, you know, once we went over to Australia. And maybe this is just an opportunity, you know, to blow the cobwebs off after a couple of weeks off and then prime him for those tests coming up. But yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I thought that Ethan, this would have been a perfect opportunity for Ethan Blackadder, but. It's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Um, same as you with Mwanga, though. I think this is similar to Papali'i. This is just an opportunity to get him back and running, get him used to, you know, taking the knocks. Because as much as you you do um, like to believe that the All Blacks prime themselves in their training, there's nothing really like an opposition running at you a million miles an hour and wanting to kill you, so to speak. So, I mean, like, is my guy. Like, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big Bowden Barrett fan. I've, you know, you only have to ask my old man, like, how much of a stan I was. And... But it got to the point when Mwanga's form was just, you just couldn't argue against it and he earned his opportunity. So I, I feel like, yeah, this is just another chance for him to get going ahead of the bigger games over in Europe. 
But then, yeah, obviously couldn't predict the team because like they, the, the All Blacks had their own mindset. But I knew that this team would be a combination of, of youth and still having that experience in there. Like I touched on right at the top of the podcast, having Sam Whitelock in there. Um, cool to see Colsey back in the mix with a Safawa Moore getting a nice run in that starting role. But the one area that I want to look at, um, and you know, I'm also casting my eye beyond even this upcoming World Cup more to 2027, is the midfield. Quintu Pai and Braden Enor, two very young guys. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, or not to throw out the possibility of having Rico Iwani in the mix in the midfield, but is this something that the, the All Blacks coach, you know, is thinking of trying to fine tune or trying to, you know, give a bit of burn looking more towards the future? Yeah, bro, it's, a, it's an interesting one because there's obviously so much depth in the midfield position. Like, it's hard to get a gauge on, like, who will even be around or like inform like past this world cup so i don't know it's interesting um a good point you raised about how harbourly like didn't bring that punch sort of thing like if he needed to he couldn't hit it up or he couldn't to any effect i think maybe quintapai is like that sort of guy who can be a ball player but also like tuck it under if he needs to and yeah enor's got speed for days to burn and um i'm not sure if he's the guy to you know go to the future with but like it's a good thing that they're like trying it out like now rather than like maybe like I don't know like a year out from the World Cup, like the old Bowden and Richie fullback dual first five thing they had going on. So yeah, it's good to see that they're trialing things like before it actually happens. Well, I, I think you, you still have to remember that someone like Jack Goodhue is going to come back into the mix ahead of the French World Cup in 2023, and Havili's still going to be around. Uh, Antonina Brown's still going to be around, but looking more towards 2027. While I don't think either of the the aforementioned players that being Tupai and Enor are finished products, I don't know. Like you said, Tupai, from what I've seen at the Super Rugby level, um, since he shifted back to twelve, looks a lot more comfortable because he's not having to make as crucial a defensive read as he would playing at centre, which we saw him play more so there uh, in his first year last year. Um, and Braden Enor, well he does have the tendency to tuck and run a little bit. Um, he is very defensively sound, um, probably the most defensively sound outs, outside of Goodhue and Leonard Brown in terms of from looking at purely from centre, not so much the 12s. So, yeah, I, I don't know. When I saw those two together, it's like, well, you know, with, with a bit of time and a bit of experience, maybe those guys are our guys at the 2027 World Cup, wherever that is. But, again, it's so hard to predict that far ahead in the future because you just don't know what sorts of talents are going to pop up you know, like we've seen Wool Jordan do, um, like we've seen the likes of even someone like a Finlay Christie. You know, halfback's a, a great point he raised because behind him, I mean, you've got guys who have sort of been there or thereabouts, you know, the likes of Mitch Drummond and Bryn Hall, but they seem to be getting on in age and I'm not sure they'll be around post-2023. And then you've even got guys like Sam Nock who haven't really kicked on the way that you would have liked them to or the way that they were. I guess, built up to do. Same with someone like Tatuero Tahuyorangi, who's taken a one-year deal to go to the Crusaders behind Drummond and Hall. You know, like, is that the last we see of him in New Zealand? You'd hope not, but, you know, at this stage, it's probably looking like it. So, yeah. I mean, I am I'm, I like Christy. I'm, I'm not completely sold on him. I mean, he's probably the the best of a bad bunch, and, and, I, and I mean that in the nicest possible way, but, yeah. yeah I know what you mean. Bro. Good experience for There's... him, though. It's pretty slim pickings, like between that, like I don't know, like twenty to twenty-five year old range. Like there doesn't seem to be too many real good halfbacks around at the moment. 
it's definitely like a good ones, but no one's really put their hand up, you know, to say like slick me sort of thing. I think that I think the pick of the bunch probably would have been Falal Vakatava, bro. But when he yeah. did his knee, which put him out for the year, and then with these new regulations that are coming into effect as of next year, um, and just a, a quick debrief on that, bro. Like essentially, what it is is that Falal came from Tonga while he was at high school, and they're stretching okay. the residency rule in terms of playing for national teams something from like three to five and so when that comes into effect next year i think he'll only be serving like his fourth year so he actually oh, okay. won't be eligible for the all blacks until after the world cup really you don't really see so, that too often no well i i think this it was it was a move to stop this sort of stuff happening to maybe entice yeah. players like falau vakatava playing for tonga to to prop those nations up but unfortunately just the the money disparity um and what it does for their careers long term because you mean you only have to be an all black once and that probably adds you know <laughs> 50 to 100 grand on your pay packet when you go to serve overseas right yeah, so definitely. like if you have to make that choice between maybe waiting a couple of years which i think flower probably will do um or playing for their home nation as, as prideful as they are those pacifica boys it's a bit of a no-brainer yeah. from a a career and a financial perspective but yeah Finlay Cressy's in the mix. He gets his opportunity, and I'm sure he'll take it with both hands. But, yeah, what are you predicting from, from a score result perspective? Definitely 13-plus. Um, I'm not sure like what the Americans are going to put up. Um, haven't really seen much of them ever, I think. Well, actually, one time I went to uh, United States versus Australia in Wellington, 2011 World Cup, and I was chanting <laughs> USA, so... They got the first try for the game, I'm pretty sure. So um, I'll predict USA to score first. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah, looking I mean, at least 50 plus if, if, you're yeah, try, if you're trying to make some money off this. But <laughs> yeah, I, I can't really give a definitive score line because then, you know, goal kicking comes into the mix. But yeah, 50 plus is an easy one to. Maybe the, maybe the All Blacks want to try and play an expenses brand of rugby in front of like new audience and try and. I don't know, sway some uh, American fans. Mm. So, uh, oh, no doubt. All right, we'll just have to wait and see. But as I said, bro, very, very grateful to have you on this week. Um, I'll touch base with you on Sunday. But yeah, hopefully if we see a good free-flowing game of rugby, particularly from the All Blacks on Sunday morning. Sounds good, bro. All right, brother. Grateful. Catch you up. Let's go.